Welcome to the Inspired to be Authentic podcast. I'm your host, Matt Lansadel. Inspired to be Authentic is a podcast where we converse with people who are living their most authentic lives. We get real with our guests and talk openly about how they live with courage to be themselves. We explore barriers they have overcome to be more authentic and aligned to themselves and their purpose. Today is episode number seven, and we are joined by Isabel Sweet. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Uh, thanks, Matt. So excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about connecting, or we'll say reconnecting with your inner child, uh, the doorway to a more authentic you. Um, we all know the journey of you know being a child and, and being carefree and not worrying about what others think about us and being in our essence. And today we're going to talk to Isabel about how we can return to that state of being and how we can start to uh, use playfulness as a way to return to the essence of who we are. So I will start by introducing Isabel. She is um, a University of Michigan graduate with a degree in psychology with a career focused in research. Additionally, she's a writer and quantum healer with a specialization in inner child healing. She is passionate about helping you release the thoughts that hold you back and keep you small. She wants to teach you how to be your biggest, most beautiful self. Isabel is a huge proponent of inner child work and is passionate about teaching us how to reconnect with our inner child through playfulness. Isabel is preparing to publish her new book, Adult Kindergarten, Reschooling the Inner Child, to be published by Hay House in June 2022. Awesome. So excited to have you um, join today because inner child work is so, so important um, in our pursuit of authenticity. Um, why don't we start by just kind of exploring your purpose? Um, what gets you out of bed each morning? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, certainly a connection to my highest self is what gets me out of bed. I like to transition from a nice warm bed to a nice warm bath and think about all of the wonderful things that I want to manifest in my life. Uh, and I think about all the feelings that are involved. So the stepping into consciously choosing the highest version of myself for that day. And I think that's really, really important to, uh, to, to get centered, to calmly transition in, calmly transition out. Be kinder to ourselves, be gentle to ourselves, practicing self-care. Um, my warm bath is just something that I enjoy doing. So I, I make that one of the first things that I do every day. Nice. Um, it might very well be different, yoga or meditation or whatever, you know, works well for you personally. Yeah. Um, is, is really the focus uh, of what we should do to, to, to be kind to ourselves, to be loving to ourselves, choose yeah. ourselves for yeah, I like that. How did you get into doing inner child work? Well, uh, I happened to have chosen a life path that involved a narcissistic mother. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> yeah, it was, that was a fun choice. Um, yeah. and <laughs> so I, I was very much told that there was something wrong with me because um, if you know much about narcissists. They don't like to take responsibility for themselves or anything. Um, so I very much believed that there was something wrong with me for much of my life and that I, if only I could fix it, if only I could be thinner and smarter and prettier, and if only I was different than who I was, yes. you know, then I would be lovable and then I would be okay. Um, so luckily I connected with an amazing, um, uh, a, a coaching group very early in life. I studied psychology. I went to school for counseling and I joined a community counseling group that absolutely saved my life. Now mm -hmm. these poor members of this counseling community group had to hear me yell and scream and get so angry at you know what I felt was my my lot in life um but if it wasn't for them holding space for me and allowing me to release years and years and years of trauma I don't think I would be the, the person I know I would not be the person I am today um so you know, it, uh, getting into inner child work was a lot about finding out at first, you know, what was, what was wrong with me and, and releasing. And then luckily 
I believe, you know, of course, when the student asks, the teacher arrives, that, that saying. And so, um, yeah, that, that the healing of all of, of the beliefs, the false beliefs that um, I was holding about myself and about my, my mother um, and allowing those to release one by one by one. And it took it, it was a good 10 year process of me mm-hmm. releasing all of that. Okay. So I don't want to make it seem as though, um, you know, it should happen overnight or that it's easy. I very much, um, everybody's pace is going to be their own. Some people, it may be overnight, but mm-hmm. some people like myself, it's mm-hmm. like 10 years and I'm still finding stuff like, you know, yeah. I'm sure that you know, when you do the work, there's more to find. And do. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How, uh, how did it, you know, those experiences shape who you are today? Cause you said it's helped define who you are today. How is, how, how did that take place? Well, the practice uh, in this community, this community counseling group called co-counseling was very much um, rooted in seeing somebody as good to the core and they hold space for you and they challenge the automatic thought processes that we typically have. This, this group practices compassion in a way that I didn't have living role models of what a compassionate person was Mm. until this group came along and they started to ask me questions and probe into ways that actually taught me compassion and love and understanding in ways that I just didn't have a role model for. Mm -hmm. So the person I am today, which has learned nonviolent communication, has learned the five love languages, has learned all of these ways to actually learn the language of love um, mm. to be loving, to be compassionate with myself and with others. That's what I mean by the person I am today. It's like, like somebody that. who genuinely understands, like even if somebody is showing up in their coping patterns or they got their walls up or they're, they're not being authentic. I, I know that deep inside is that little innocent five-year-old child who had to put up those walls and those barriers and those guards. and I can now I can see past that to mm-hmm. their innocent, to their good, and to their authentic self, yeah. and yeah, and see them with in, with those eyes. I like that. Um, how how much of that is is because you were able to hold that space for yourself? Oh yeah. Well, the big part of this program, this co counseling um, that I was learning, and then what is now in my book, so is when you switch roles, like you, somebody else is holding space for you and then you hold space for somebody else. But then ultimately you learn how to just do the work on your own. You just start to hold space for yourself and, you know, role play different roles. So I might be Isabel, my adult self, and then I would sit in a new spot and have a conversation with Isabel, my child self. And I don't need any, I don't need anyone else to do that. I can just start to do that in the privacy of my own home and do work and really start to bring up some stuff. And, and also once I know how to lovingly, compassionately work with someone else, I can lovingly, compassionately say those same things to myself. Like, I'm sorry that happened. And that's okay. Like go Mm -hmm. ahead and cry it out. Don't worry about how long it takes. And we start to learn the language of love. Those are things somebody saying, I love you when they say like, go ahead and cry it out and I'm here for you. And they're there, you know? Yeah. I like that. I think that answers your question. Yeah, it does. It does. I want to go, let's, 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 let's take a, a trip down memory lane. Let's go back to 10 years ago. So 2010. Okay. Okay. Um, and I want to, I want to understand what, where your inner child was at that point in your life. What was happening in your life at that time when your connection to, to little Isabel? Um, yeah. So let's see. I would have been just leaving uh, Michigan for California. And I think that is a good point of reference because I finally knew I wanted something better for myself than what I had had currently. Mm. So I know that my, my inner child was still a bit buried. I'll admit that. And 
Um, but starting to be safe, starting to be brave, starting to want the best for her, which was not, um, I, I mean, I know that my inner child wanted that. She, my little five-year-old self loved to be seen, loved to be heard, loved to sing and, and write poetry. And eventually she got, um, didn't, didn't want to be seen, like was being shamed for being seen and had, had to hide and her needs weren't important and all these other things. So 10 years ago, it was her starting to come out and be seen and say like, I want, I want the best for myself. I, I know that I, I'm deserving of better. I can go, I, I need to be brave and go face this. And also I need to get away from the source of my pain and anger and frustration, which yeah. in my case would be my, my mother and, and maybe my sister. But I, I'm a strong component in my book that we need to get away from the people who hurt us or harmed us Mm -hmm. Or um, even in our current lives, if they just don't believe in us, they're not sending us loving energy. I think we, I would like to take the stand and and say we need to leave those situations and stand in our truth and and go create better situations that are loving and supportive. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of. Go ahead. I was just going to say what what I find interesting is that when we do step into our truth we have the ability to then to hover above our life and see things as they played out before. Cause we're now in the truth of who we are and we see the fallacy of who we thought we had to be before. So yeah. what's the distance between those two, your truth and the fallacy of who you thought you had to be before. Why don't we even just start with who did you think you had to be before to fit into this world? Right. Well, I, I mean, my personal perspective on it is that our parents, our teachers, our guides at those times were the ones that were guiding us and telling us, oh, the way you're showing up is not the way you're supposed to be showing up. You're supposed to be doing this other thing. Um, and so as young, innocent children who completely are loving and in agreement decide, yeah, I, I should change myself. And, and maybe we changed ourselves just to make our lives a little bit easier. And that also starts to form our ego. This is what Isabel or this is what Matt does in similar situations to this that help them survive these early childhood experiences. So we're going to continue to do these same things over and over again because they worked a long time ago. And even if they're not currently working, this is what Matt does. This is what Isabel does. This is we we continue to be the same. We think we need to be the same exact person to, to continue. Um, what you know about me as Isabel is because I behave in certain ways and I act in certain ways and you expect that from me. Yeah. And that makes it natural for us to do that. But if we do want to be better versions of ourselves, we need to start taking different actions and questioning who we thought we were and why we made those decisions in the first place. And you know, I, this is what I teach people is any emotion that comes up, let's trace it back, 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 back as far as we can go to the first time you experience this emotion. And we're going to find a triggering memory that shows up there every yeah. single time without fail. Yeah. And so then we need to retell that story or tell a story a different way in that memory, in that time and place, so that this current versions of ourselves can actually be free to act and behave differently. Yeah. Yeah. I, what you just reminded me of is when we first met, so we met in San Diego and um, we sat down and had lunch together and we, just, I, I didn't even know you. And we started to do this work. We, we, um, she took me down this, this journey through this inner child experience where when I was younger uh, between the age of, um, well, I think it was grade one and two, I, I would get dropped off at school uh, by my mom and I would panic and I would run back to her car. Do you remember to us talking about this? Yeah. And, yeah. And then you helped me recreate the story. So we kind of, we, we traced it back to the emotions I was feeling at the time, feeling scared and feeling, um, you know, scared for my mom and, and, and whatnot. And you helped me repattern that. And uh, it was very effective. Yeah. Why, why is it so effective to be, to do that? What, what does that happen? What, what are we doing to, when we do that? <sighs> well, my current theory on that is that all time is happening at right now. 
right? So even that seemingly past experience, when you relive it, you're reliving it in the present. So you actually change the outcome of your present self by changing the, the emotional reaction to that experience. That's my, my personal belief on it. And um, if we, any trauma that we can experience like that, if we relive that trauma and we have it, we, instead of, let, let's just say, um, I am, there's a memory with my mother and instead of letting her abuse me or verbally abuse me. And, and instead in this moment, I'm going to role play it out with you. And this time I stand up for myself. There's a change that happens in me that now like is a little bolder, is a little different. It's, it's, it's changing our emotional response to those same triggering situations. Mm. And we now have an <clears throat> option to act differently, to behave differently. And we just practice it. Like with you and I, when, when we're doing, when we, we go back in that past memory and we practice it, we now know we're capable of that. Yeah. And we can choose it in, in future situations. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my theory. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, so uh, we took a little bit of a detour. So I want to, we, we talked a bit about your, um, the fallacy of who you thought you had to be to fit into the world. And what about now, like being in your truth, how, how have you made that journey from, from this person over into being able to stand in this strong female energy that you, that you exude? Yeah. Well, it's still a practice for me. And I like to share that because, uh, just to remind is, people, yeah. we're, all, we're always just practicing, practice, practice, practice. And when we were kids, it was so easy to remember that we're just practicing. And everybody understood, like, okay, you're just practicing your instrument. You're just practicing soccer. You're just practicing <laughs> yeah. mathematics. Yeah. And then at a certain point in life, somebody thinks we, we don't have to practice anymore. And we do. And so yeah. as I began this, what do I, I practice stepping into the highest version of myself every single day. And so I believe that, that just as we were talking about, we, we kind of change the course of our lives based on how we start to feel and believe the thoughts we think and, and the beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so um, I now choose deliberately the highest version of myself. And, and that's going to be unique for each and every one of us. Um, and for me, I've chosen the goddess format as, as, as my, mm. I, you know, I, what I choose to step into. Um, and if you're a spiritual person, like stepping into your God self as the highest version of yourself and, and finding either examples in real life or whatever you can imagine as what that looks like. For me, it's uh, Christ consciousness, continuing to act with compassion in every single moment as much as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. And when I don't, to have compassion for myself at still being human and mm -hmm. uh, still choosing coping mechanisms or, um, and, and remember that I'm, I'm practicing, 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 uh, getting better and better all of the time. And so I, I do that with my, my, my thoughts and words and actions towards myself and towards other people. And it's just a consistent daily practice of, um, and for me, it's easy to say like, or the highest version of myself is going to choose the best humanly possible life. I have to step into it. I have to believe it. I have to think like that person thinks and act like that person acts, even if I feel like I'm faking it. And I, I might be faking it in the beginning, just like when, when you and I were role-playing um, your, your childhood experience with your mother, you were essentially faking it, right? Like mm -hmm. you weren't actually doing these things, but it still yeah. has permanent changes in the way things um, unfold for you yeah. or for me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the mottos that we have for the podcast is authenticity is the expression of alignment. And whenever I think about authenticity, I always think about polar, right? We have these polars and we have our, our light and we have our shadows of, of ourself. And I believe authenticity is when we learn to befriend our shadows 
instead of reject them. And I like how you talk a lot about choice. I'm choosing to step into my highest self. I'm choosing to see this because it really is a choice, right? We choose to allow. I think allowance is a big part of this. We choose to allow the things we don't like about ourselves or our experiences or our traumas or whatever it might be to, to integrate, to be a part of who we are. We make that choice deliberately and that's when we start to become authentic. Do you agree or disagree with that statement? Um, I, I'm agreeing with a lot of everything of what you're saying. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. absolutely. It is a spectrum and to love our seemingly shadow parts of ourselves to love all of ourselves and spread it out into the to loving others. And, and I think it starts with ourselves. The more compassion that we have for these things, um, you know, and, and as a speaker and doing this work, that's especially what I want to share. It's like, look, I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to drink alcohol. I used to be very promiscuous. I used to uh, do whatever I did. However, mm-hmm. I, I loved all of those parts of myself because I know that that person was just coping with the situation as best they could. Yeah. I was just, I was trying to find love and I didn't know any better way of going about it than being promiscuous. I was trying to um, cope with the emotional trauma by like smoking cigarettes either. And I find myself, you cigarettes have other benefits outside of just smoking. You can get away from somebody. You can make new friends with somebody you have like, so these coping mechanisms, these shadowy sides of ourselves that we hide or, or don't think well of what we need to look into those and find out like, how has that actually really helped me and benefited me? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. When I first started to do shadow work and integrate, I, what I did was I befriended my ego and I sat down and I made a list of all the things that my ego provided me with, right? Sense of pride, motivation, inspiration, uh, all these things that my ego gave me. And that alone was such a powerful tool to be able to use. Because if you think about the ego, the ego is what pulls us out of the inner child, right? We, 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 we operate in essence in, with our inner child, and then we become domesticated by adults, and we develop an ego to interact with the world around us, and we start to forget our, our inner child. Yeah. So integrating my ego and being fr- befriending my shadows was a direct doorway to reconnecting with little Matt. It's, it's, would, it's beautiful, but not easy. That you said that because I, you know, uh, in, in my book, Adult Kindergarten, we have our, our child self that we connect with. We have our adult self. And then I reference the ego self and we have our elder self. We have the highest version of ourselves. There's so many possible and potential versions of you and you get to choose in every single moment which version you want to express mm. in oh i and love that it's and it's true and and we can actually it helps as you just suggested to personify the ego or to personify your child self and separate it from who you think that you are like let's take a moment and step back and look at this from the outside mm. and even like sit in their spot and see what it's like to be them. I've had conversations with my ego as well. And I've actually, I even referenced like we, I treat it like a little inner child, like, Hey ego, if, uh, if we do yoga this morning, like, uh, you know, I'll give you ice cream. (laughs) Um, That's a good deal. I'll take it. I know. Right. (laughs) Um, but not to, uh, but the ego loves it's, um, it loves being told that it's, it's right. And that it's helpful. You know, the ego is just trying to keep us safe. And that's something that I have found is that I'm like, ego, thank you so much for trying to keep me safe. I, and, and fill up their ego. I'm like, and can we make a new decision that also keeps us safe and that is in line with who we want to be. Can we do it? Can we do this as well? You know, and I sort of like I make a joke about speaking it to like a little child, but sometimes that's helpful to think of it in that way. Because we, we would speak to a child with love and compassion and understanding mm-hmm. and to do that with our own ego is just as valuable. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, what I want to do is I want to, 
I want to take the audience through a journey of what uh, maybe the stages of, of inner child, like how does it form? How do we get disconnected from it? Let's kind of like little, maybe lay out a little bit of a timeline and what domestication means and all these sorts of things. So we can kind of lay the foundation for, for what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So um, I, in, in, in my book, I use an arbitrary reference of our five-year-old self because I personally feel it's up until about five that we are ourselves. And from the learning development of a five-year-old on, which is normally why we start school at five, year, five years old, is that they can start to learn more about the outside world. They, their perception of just them and their little bodies starts to change into learning things um, outside of it. So oftentimes I reference the five-year-old self, but every single person is going to be very different as to when their trauma um, or these memories from our childhood start to affect us. I mean, I met one woman who actually remembered being in the womb and how her mom didn't want her and was very scared. And this, this person could feel being in the womb back to that. I've had other people as early as one and two go back to some traumas. And so uh, I used five as an arbitrary number, and each person's going to be significantly different. It could be at the age somebody's parents got divorced that they started to say, oh, my goodness, this is my fault, and take on that responsibility. Yeah. Um, so as far as that's concerned, everybody is going to be at a completely different area as to where to start. And what I will say about it is whatever triggering emotion is coming up for you, it's during our moments of very uncomfortable situations when we're frustrated, when we're mad, when we're angry, when life seems to be showing us something that we don't want to look at at that moment, mm-hmm. that is actually the best time to do inner child work because that highly emotional state is showing you exactly where your wound is. That's <laughs> the time to ask, when did this actually start? Why am I reacting this way right now in this time and space? When let's go back, back, back. When did I first feel this way? And, and we'll be able to find it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'll, I'll share an example because I think people to give people an understanding about a trigger. So um, for myself growing up gay, um, I always was worried about people accepting me. Okay, and, and acceptance is tied into belonging. So a lot of my core wounds were around belonging and feeling like I, I didn't belong. So I learned very, very quickly to hide aspects of myself so no one would find out that I'm gay. So a very strong trigger for me is rejection, right? Or when somebody doesn't make me feel included in something because that's a very strong experience that I had and my inner child felt that very strongly. Um, so it wasn't until I started to experience things like my, in my intimate relationships, people saying no, right? Like are giving me no's. And that's where we, we have to be good at accepting no, because we were not honoring somebody else's experience if we're not able to accept no. Um, but I took it as a personal, um, attack on myself or maybe that I was defective or not lovable when somebody would reject me, um, and not, you know, give me a yes. So is that kind of what you're talking about? Oh yeah, that's a great example yeah. of that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So our, I really do believe that our triggers hold the gold for yeah. our healing. I literally call it the treasure and the trigger. The treasure uh, and, and the so trigger. I, I like that. The, the gold <laughs> and the trigger. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to what you know, I also. Um, personally say it's the gift of criticism like someone on your no is if somebody is is rejecting you that criticism is actually if you're triggered by it there's some truth in there there's something to be done with it and and if somebody gives you a criticism if i say matt you are a totally stinky purple elephant (laughs) you know and you laugh it off because you very well know that that's not that's not true Right. Yeah. Um, and no trauma experience whatsoever. But if I actually said something, uh, no one likes you, Matt, you gave bag. Like, like, <laughs> and, and you felt some truth to that. Exactly. Yeah. That's where you're triggered. Right. Yeah. 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 I like that because it gives you the insights into what you need to focus on. But a lot of people, I think, have the experience of when they feel triggered, they, they, um, 
either repress it or they distract themselves from it. And that's where we get stunted in our growth, right? Because yeah. we're not willing to sit with that. So what's maybe a strategy that you can, you can help the audience um, work with their triggers instead of feel the need to run from them? Yeah. Um, so um, to, to really feel it into your body, like where am I feeling this? Get in, start to go inward uh, rather than get angry or upset at the other person. Mm. Um, take some time to get away and like, even just a, either the pause in that moment, whatever you can do, because if you're triggered, you're not going to act from a conscious place. You're not even going to act from maybe even a logical place. Yeah. It's a highly emotional place. And that's probably not the best place to take action because it's, it's really based in your past, what, whatever, you're, whatever action you're going to take rather than what's literally sitting in front of you. Yeah. I would say to take a pause, get centered with yourself and start to like, why is this bothering me so much? Um, I would often like, of course I'm still triggered and angry in this life. And I, I phone a trusted friend, somebody who I know is not judging me, isn't who knows me and knows my intentions and can truly hear me and see me so that I I feel seen and heard. I feel understood. And that person, if, um, if they know how to hold space or they, they just simply know how to listen, I feel mm-hmm. as though then I can like get to the root of my own issue. Um, yeah. So that's actually something that I feel like is lacking in this modern world is how many people can we truly call up in times of of emergency in times of pain in times of frustration. Yeah. But on top of that, that might be very, I feel as though it might be very few. Then on top of that, are they really equipped to help you to get to what it is that you are trying to get to? Are they, are they not biased? Are they not judging you? Are they not, uh, you know, trying to do, do things that they would prefer the way you do it rather than what's necessarily important for you. I think it's really important to, Yes, do our own work, but also to have a trusted, loving other people that we can bounce ideas off that are not judging us and not hurting us and not harming us. Because there, there is that initial anger and frustration that needs to be validated. Like as much as I journal, as much as I can <laughs> do my own work, there is something about being seen and heard by somebody else who genuinely cares, who genuinely understands, yeah. and also wants the best for you. So of course we can help a multiple of ways. We can journal, we can uh, get angry at ourselves. We can do this role playing thing, but honestly, I think the best one is having somebody who truly loves, truly understands, truly is listening and seeing you and helping you to get to your own shit Mm -hmm. and, and not trying to push their agenda, their beliefs. I mean, they might offer suggestions like that would still be like, here's what I would do or, uh, can I offer a suggestion? They offer things, but without imposing it on somebody else. Um, and not a lot of people know how to be that person. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I would like to help train people to do, to be a trusted listener, to hold space. Um, so to, to answer your question, I think, you know, there's a lot of ways that we can handle that, but I think love is <laughs> the best way to handle that, to truly yeah. be loved. Being yeah. Who you are. Yeah, I agree. And I think what stands out for me, what you just said is something that Matt Kahn taught me. And um, it's whenever we're feeling triggered or we're feeling angry, it's a sign that we need space. And you said, that's the very first thing you said is take some time for yourself and go inside. Because oftentimes what ends up happening is when we become triggered, we displace, we put our attention outward whether that's going to be towards the person who we feel has hurt us or towards a friend that we're, we're, we're seeking comfort from or drugs, alcohol, food, whatever it might be. And in my opinion, that's a form of self-abandonment. We're abandoning ourselves, our inner child in a time of, of great need. And I think when we're feeling triggered or we're feeling angry, one of the best things we can do is return home and just yeah. sit with ourselves and breathe into that anger and allow it to allow that energy to move. And, right there in, 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 in that alone, we're, we're alleviating so many fears, right? Fear of not belonging, fear of not being accepted, fear of abandonment. All of those revolve around you not being there for you. 
right? And inner child work in my, in my experience has been about how I can return home to myself and hold space for me. Then once I do that, I can move out into the world and I can seek um, the support of a friend or the support of, of, of whoever, because I've, te- I've tended to myself and now I'm needing somebody else to tend to me, which is they're both equally important, right? To hold yourself and to be, allow yourself to be held by another, such a beautiful balance in, in, in the healing journey. I love how you just said that you said it much more succinct than I just did. And I think that's absolutely right. Or, you know, yeah, to get that balance. So first take that time for yourself and then to actually ask for help and ask for support. That's what a healthy person does. Yeah. Um, outside of choosing you, right. Those coping mechanisms that further deny and suppress what's actually going on, yeah. you know, to ask for help is a, a huge bravery. And, um, you know, our, our little child selves, they used to ask for help all the time. They knew that they didn't know how to do something and they had no problem asking for help. And it was only when they got eventually, I'm too busy. I don't have time for this or, you know, shut down that they had to learn other ways to, 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 to deal with whatever they were dealing with. Um, but yeah, so I, I love what you just shared. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. What, one of the strategies that I, that I use um, for people when they're triggering me, other than going in, in myself, is I, I picture their inner child. I picture them at five years old. And yeah. I, it's, such a, it's such a beautiful thing because I can personify somebody. I can look at them and I can immediately look at them and being little and small and cute. And I'm like, uh, it's a great way for me to practice compassion and empathy for others. Um, and I actually just had that moment with you when I was watching you speak. I was like, I could picture this little version of you. Uh, can you introduce us to, to little Isabel? Just tell us, tell us a bit, tell us a bit about her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that you share that. I share that in my book. Whenever I see somebody just being a stinky poop head, I just imagine <laughs> their little five-year-old self. And, yeah. you know, we, we don't, we don't, we know that little five-year-olds aren't doing something intentionally to hurt us. We know that, dogs and pets and animals aren't doing something intentionally to hurt us. And, yeah. and sometimes we take that same perspective with other people. Um, totally so agree. yeah, I, my, you know, I just, um, I several times I love in my book, I talk about throwing a temper tantrum. So this is one way that you can go inward when you're upset or frustrated with something. And I'm literally like, I don't want to, I don't <laughs> want to do this thing. And it, the bed is an especially good place, um, to, to let out some anger and frustration. I had yeah. a roommate situation recently and my higher self, uh, had the suggestion of like, right several things that you like about this person and before I could write this list I my little child was like uh-uh. <laughs> Pinky, poopy, I don't like her at all and uh my higher self was kind of like girl you could be mad you can be you could be mad all you want go ahead like <laughs> let it all out and eventually uh, after throwing my temper tantrum, I knew what to do, which was to write this list. And even though I was still like almost like my teenage self, showed up like, fine, she <laughs> yeah, doesn't know, stinky, right? Like, <laughs> and I allowed all those parts of myself to show up and express and let that just be okay. And mm-hmm. you know, I I say this because sometimes I'm like. C- like I'm not above it where I'm like, okay, I do have to act like a little child in this moment and throw my little temper tantrum and, and let it, let it go like just be it and do it. Even as much as I would like to think that I'm like above it, like, okay, I don't have to have these, you know, angry emotions or whatever. But as soon as I just allow myself, just like, ugh, just allow yourself to get angry you know give yourself permission exactly be human and just allow yourself to have all of those and with the other the adult self there the older self the wiser self also as part of you as as a loving nurturing parent would be there to say like i know i understand but the right thing for us to do in this moment would be to choose this up this whatever you know is suitable for the situation is is the loving thing but to to almost like hold space for that child as they're crying and upset. Like, I know it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Um, 
So, yeah, like, I don't like to think that um, I'm above pulling out my inner child in times of need. It's actually quite fun. And, like, I literally was like, she's a stinky face, and laughed at myself. I, like, <laughs> you know, it's something we wouldn't say anymore. Is it? Because, you know, it's, we're, we're adults, and we're not supposed to. And, yeah, uh, yeah and, you know, I think there's... Um, yeah, throwing a temper tantrum, uh, using your bedroom, your private room, your car, just allow yourself. It's like, what's great about, you know, the co-counseling thing that I did is separate from adult kindergarten because in adult kindergarten, I specifically, we become the child self and, and there's a level of permission then to go ahead and let loose. And that I feel is really important. Um, I don't Hopefully that answered your question. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, one thing that I want to talk about for people, I know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be listening to this who don't feel that they got parented by their parents. Their parents were emotionally unavailable um, to their needs. And the, the thing about, about human beings is we mimic right? We mimic behaviors. We, when we are, we end up parenting similar flavors to the way our parents parented us. So if we feel like we didn't get a proper, whatever, how you define proper or normal um, parenting experience as a child, how can we, how can we learn how to parent our inner child? Yeah, that's such a great question. And, you know, and, and I didn't have role models for that either um, of, of, of nurturing parents, of caring parents. Um, not that my parents didn't do the best that they could. All of ours parents did. Um, so I started looking for outside role models, outside of that parent dynamic, people who just showed up as loving and kind and nice um, from my from the perspective of where I was. And luckily I found it in my counseling community, but there's going to be, there's, if you ask, it is given. The source will provide you with somebody in your life who can be even this, especially from the level that you're at. They're just going to be one step above it or somewhat closer. You just think like, I enjoy being around this person, right? And so mm -hmm. start to look for examples or role models. Somebody else has really great parents. Like, hey, can I hang out with your parents? Or, <laughs> um, and start as I said earlier, we got to get rid of the people who cause the trauma in our lives or who aren't kind, who aren't loving mm -hmm. and start to make space for people who are, and just feeling into what that looks like for you. Right. And so then I, I personally started to have people in this counseling community that showed up as loving and, and kind and nurturing people um, I even at one point had asked one of them to be my surrogate father um, because he was that way. And then, and in fact, you know, he loved and cared about me so much that he's like, I don't think I can give you the time and attention that you really deserve. Like he, you know, talking about rejection, he rejected me in that, in that moment when I thought he would really show up in that way. Hmm. Um, and Luckily for me, I actually have now manifested a very loving relationship with my father that I never thought was even possible. Um, and I, uh, so looking for role models, but what I teach in the book is for how we can start to be that person. If we start to be that person to our inner child, if we can look at our five-year-old self and we can look at them with complete love and compassion for who they are and what they've done. And we start to look at that person. Um, eventually, we can start looking at our, our teenage self and parts of ourselves that we don't like with that same love and compassion and understanding that we know that they were doing what they had to do to get by and get through. Um, so when we start to have that vibration, we can, we actually attract other people of that vibrate vibration. So I know it's like a catch 22 and that if you aren't that, how can you be that? But, um, to, to pretend, to act, to, to say comforting things to ourselves, um, start looking for people to show up and be good role models for that. And 
get rid of the people who are bad role models for that and make space. Um, what in adult kindergarten, that's what I teach is, is I start to teach how to hold space, how to be a loving, compassionate person, because it isn't as common as I would like it to be in the world. And I had to be taught and I think other people could really gain, everybody can gain value out of being more compassionate, being using nonviolent communication out of being more loving. Um, hmm. I'm so excited yeah. for your book. <laughs> um, let's, let's talk a bit about why do people lose connection to their inner child? Like if we're still, if we're going on the continuum, I feel like we've kind of made it up to the point where people, then they lose connection. What, what occurs in our development at that time where we lose connection to our inner child? Yeah. Well, fitting into the, to the, the world that we obviously were, were born into one in which there wasn't compassion and there we had to put on masks and behave other ways um, so that inner child just gets buried, buried, buried under lots of layers. And I know from personal example, I mean, like talk about resting bitch face and I didn't trust anybody. I was at a workshop and I like, kind of love this example. I pretty much stood up and I was like, somebody tell me how to be compassionate, like how to be vulnerable. Someone tell me how to be vulnerable. And I'm like, hands on hips, tell me how to be vulnerable. And somebody <laughs> made the suggestion of, hug people more. Now I tell this story in my book, hug people more. You mean let more people into the bubble that I use to protect myself and keep myself safe from harm? Mm. Hug people more? That was not an answer that I could even so much as see at that point. Yeah. Somebody else suggesting saying, I love you more. I love you meant hurt and pain people who I had as family members who I, who I was supposed to love and who were supposed to love me are the ones who were the perpetrators who caused what I believed was the trauma in that time and space. Yeah. So I definitely understand what you're saying. It, it's like, how do we, it's a catch 22. How do we get out of that? Um, and so I, I started looking for, behaviors of kind loving people and people around me um and i had to start seeing it because i was i was blind even if somebody acted with love and compassion even if they extended their hand to me i was so guarded and so blocked because people were so unsafe for such a long time that i couldn't even see their open hand as as help mm. um so i definitely know the depths of how far down you can go in that like you just there's a point where you can't even see uh, these things that people behaving in loving ways you, you will literally interpret it differently. Yeah. Um, so starting to feel into like I'm I'm miserable all the time or I'm angry all the time or like these negative feelings that we don't want to experience are actually our guideways to getting back to that. Um, and I don't think there's any one path for anyone. I think adult kindergarten will help us select certain people. Tony Robbins helps us select certain people. You know, our mentors will show up for us when we need them. Um, and there's, but there is as sort of what you're suggesting is it's like, we have to be asking for help. We have to be seeking it. We have to understand that there is a problem. You know, there's stages to, um, uh, like even chemical dependency, denial is one of those stages, right? And so if we don't think we have a problem, then there's nothing wrong. So then the, the first step is acknowledging that we might have a problem. Yeah. Um, and, and then starting to seek help and seek it from other people. Uh, and there is, if you believe there is a way, then the way will, will show it to you. Yeah. I like that. It's, it's really, um, vulnerability is such a, 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 a challenging thing for so many people, right? And it's the feeling of being seen that's so, so challenging. And what, what ends up happening is we, we develop aspects of ourselves we don't like. 
right? Our ego says, nope, those have to go back into the closet. We're going to hide those back in the closet. And vulnerability is about opening up the door and allowing those things to come out and allowing to tell the story of who you are in entirety, in, in bringing forth all aspects of your being. But what, what prevents people from doing that is a lack of acceptance of those things for themselves. So vulnerability isn't about putting yourself out there and requiring acceptance from others, right? That's, that's, um, that's trying to fit in, right? True belonging is about belonging to yourself first by loving the things that, that you've been taught to not love about yourself. And therefore, then you can step into the ring of vulnerability and allow yourself to be seen. So it's like we, a lot of times we're going at it the wrong way. We're going at it by seeking approval of who we are from other people. And then we can approve our, of ourselves, but it's actually the other way around. Would you agree with that? Um, I, I don't, well, I think there is, I do want to agree with you. And I also want to add something else. So sure. certainly that, um, okay. If I were to say that I, I'm gay and I am really scared to, to share that with somebody and then I decide to be vulnerable and I share it with somebody and then they throw it in my face or they make me feel really bad about it, right? Like yeah. there I was trying to be vulnerable and then the outside world, somebody showed up and said, nope, that's wrong and don't like and reinforce the, the hiding again. Yeah. Um, so it is a, a real active bravery to be vulnerable, but I also think there's some discernment that needs to happen. And like, so one of the things I talk about is like, I didn't even know what a trusting, loving person looked like. So when I was being scared or was being vulnerable, I was sharing it with the wrong people because I didn't have examples of what a loving person was. And so eventually I had to start uh, finding those and knowing who to entrust my secrets, my vulnerabilities too. So I do agree. And I also think that there is something about being able to share it with another person in a safe way Yeah. Um, that, you know, like to, to come out and be gay, it, it there's a, a big, there's a lot of, it's a lot, very helpful to be in a gay community, to be around other people who support that. Because if you're in the middle of nowhere, uh, highly religious town, you're not going to feel very safe, no matter how confident and vulnerable that you, you might be. I, I don't know, um, for sure, but I know from my own personal experiences, like being around other people who know me, love me, get me as well, then I can, I can feel safer to be who it is that I am. So it, it it's a combination. I, I, I do believe it's a combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's always that case, right? The, the older I'm getting and the wiser I'm getting and the more spiritual uh, I'm getting, I, I, I like to make my home in the gray, right? Nothing is ever black and white in this world. And the more we, we make black and white, the more we separate ourselves from love and from, from God, right? So it's about allowing yourself to be in that place of balance and be able to see both sides right? Every, every side has validity to it and every side has invalidity to it. So it's about looking at, okay, how can I walk this line as tightly as I can, right? Because we're human beings, we're always going to be swinging back and forth, but how can I, how can I try my best to walk that line of being balanced? It's important. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of what we talked about is, um, allowance and expression. You've said those words several times in, in, in talking today, um, how important is allowance or expression of who you are to inner child work? Oh, I think it's, it's actually getting to the root of who you actually are. Uh, what I love about doing inner child work is like our, our five-year-old self, what did they love to play? What did they love to do? What did they love? You know, like we're all so unique. How do we come into the world? We have all these unique things. Like what dinosaur do you like? Because it's specific <laughs> to you. Right. And, yeah. uh, and, and so our, our inner child, like, was completely okay with being who they were, um, completely authentic and, and, you know, for the most part, just didn't give a fuck. And so we can eventually like stop giving all these fucks about what other people think and just show up who we are, like our favorite dinosaur. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, that's what's really authentic, right? It's like finally saying, I, 
these are the things I like. These are the things I enjoy. This is what makes me uniquely me. And everyone else is, is playing too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, I, I, the, the gay world is such a fun, easy example in that if there is a parent that, say, didn't accept somebody for their gayness, I think that's the role that you came in and showed up in this world to do. Not maybe you personally, but... Um, if, if somebody's parent isn't acting loving by saying gay, being gay is wrong or bad and the kid ends up being gay, what a great spiritual play that gets to play out because here's somebody who, you know, you must love your child. How, I, I, don't, I don't know a single parent who, who I'm, although I'm sure they exist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't love their child and yet they're, they're very conflicted in, in this very obvious and blatant way. And so I think we're all spiritually here to help us uh, see our demons and see those things um, and to, to grow. I think it's a very symbiotic relationship in which uh, you're here to help me and I'm here to help you. And we had these agreements far before we got here. Yeah. Um, and so even our shadows, even these things that we don't want to look at, we actually, I personally think we put those there so that we can learn the lessons that we needed to learn. But it is about learning the lessons. It's about seeing the good in it. It's about seeing how it's actually still filled with love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as we see that everything that was happening was actually happening from a place of love. Um, Always, yeah. And our our suffering, our suffering is an instrument that's used to bring us closer to love. Yeah. Because it's breaking us down. Suffering breaks down the ego. It unravels the ego. And the ego is the mechanism that we have built in between us and togetherness and love and unity and oneness. That's the only thing that's separating us. And suffering is the tool used to destruct our ego. But we, through, the, through the suffering, we also have to learn to love our ego, not reject it. And that's the beautiful thing about shadow work. It's about integration, right? Allowing it to become one. Yes. Because the ego is really just an extension of the soul. It's, a, it's energy that we've created, yes. that we've, we've created this energetic body of who we are. And when we reclaim that, it just integrates back into the soul and we become one and we get that, that feeling of unity consciousness, which everybody is kind of working their way towards on the spiritual journey. Right. I love that you just brought that up. And I bring that up at the very end of my book is even though I'm suggesting we personify our child self, we personify our ego self, we personify our elder self, uh, to actually bring those all into one, what I consider the highest version of ourselves and love each of those parts and what they contribute and what they bring to us um, and say, I love all of it. And, and then we are authentic. We are one. We are at least one within ourselves. And once we become one within ourselves and we're overflowing with this love and this understanding, it's so much easier to be loving and compassionate to other people. Um, And so, Back to your point earlier, like when you are triggered, to go inward first, and then we can take it to somebody else. And I think that is the dance that we, the the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, you know, that are there for us to to play in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so something that I do with all my guests, uh, we're going to do it a little bit backwards today. So we're going to start with this is me tip of the week um, or tip of the episode, we'll call it. Um, so this is me is something that I, that I teach. It's about putting your hand on your heart and saying, this is me. It's about self-ownership, right? I, I feel like we're at a place in, in, in humanity right now where we're moving from self-acceptance, which is like, yeah, I, I don't like these things about myself, but I'm going to accept them. And self-ownership is about holding a container of love for yourself and, 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 and just being proud of every aspect of who you are. Um, so what's one tip that you can share with, with the audience that's going to help them step into self-ownership and just owning who they are? Mm. Um, I, I like my example of if we can picture and imagine our little five-year-old self and and really look at them and really see them and understand how good they are and, and, and know that they're completely good to the core. Um, I think that 
when we practice that compassion with ourselves, we can practice it so much more with other people. So we have it within us. Look at our little innocent five-year-old selves and unconditionally love this person. I don't think there is a condition that your little five-year-old self had that you could not completely love it. So it, it is within you to be completely loving and compassionate. And we can start there. We can start with our little five-year-old selves and we can start to work our way up and we can start to work our way out. Um, yeah. Sorry, what was the question again? Just so I'm like answering that. it. No, I, yeah, you basically already answered it. You're good. You're good. It was just, um, this is me. How can, how can we, what's one tip that you can share with people to help them own who they are? Yeah. I think that's perfect. That's, that's starting at the roots. Yeah. which is why I like it. Right. Cause sometimes it's like, okay, um, I've had lots of guests provide some really great examples, but some of them may be out of reach for people. Right. So it's like, how can we start with, with just the basic core of who we are and, and move outward from there. Some people need to move out and come in and maybe the, the five-year-old self-love is going to be the last stop on their journey. Um, so I really think it's about what's going to meet the need for, for each people. So. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second part is the, how much of me can I be? So this is an opportunity for you to, to sit on the hot seat and, um, you pick a number between one and 31. Um, these are questions that I've come up with, but they'll also be questions that the audience can contribute. Uh, if you have a question, send it in to me and I'll, uh, I'll add it to the list. Uh, so pick a number between one and 31, and it's just an opportunity for you to practice how much of you can you be? Okay. Um, 22. The number 22 has been coming up for me. If you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are now living and why? Wow. Okay. Um, well, I don't know if I just happen to feel very fortunate in this time and space because I really genuinely feel like I'm living my dream. Yeah. Um, Moving to Hawaii, I'm looking uh, for my life partner, which has been a little bit challenging given that I have to stay six feet away from everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Bad timing. Um, yeah, but I, I trust that it's on its way. And in the meantime, I know all things are happening for me anyway. So I get to take this time to really work on myself. Mm. Um, but so in um, pandemic aside... <laughs> Um, I would, um, yeah, I guess do more of what I'm doing. I go to the ocean, I take baths. I, I, one of the things I suggest in the book, because it was something I had to do for myself is like, I had to write out a list of things that actually made me happy. Yeah. I didn't know for a very long day. It wasn't until very recently that I'm like, shit, I don't know what makes me happy. Yeah. Um, and do those every day. Do them as much as possible. Do as many as you can. And, and in my book, I suggest like, there's a list of free ones. There's a list of moderately expensive ones. There's big ticket items that we want to do. And do the free ones or the moderate ones as much and as frequently and as often as possible. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's taking a bath. It's going to the beach. It's... Um, uh, having my hair done, having my nails done, being peppered, having a, getting a massage. Um, and that, uh, so there's not too much different. I would, I would manifest a very hot, two very hot, sexy men for me to <laughs> enjoy the last year of my life with. Um, You're hilarious. Yeah. One, one yin and one yang. You can have the best of both worlds. <laughs> yes. I have no shame in my game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's amazing. This is a fantasy that we're experiencing, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you're you're amazing. I'm so glad that uh, that you're able to come on today. It's uh, I always love connecting with you. And one day we're gonna we're gonna meet in Hawaii. I'm very excited. Um, Isabel's in Hawaii. I'm in Vietnam. So we're actually 17 hours apart right now and in time zone. So we had to really find a time that worked for both of us. And, I'm glad you made and, it work. And thank God we've had good Wi-Fi up to this point. So, um, so how can people connect with you if they want to learn more about you, your story, your book, all that sort of stuff? How can they connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, Adult Kindergarten Book is available um, on Facebook or on Instagram. 
uh, that would be the best way to get connected because then I can, um, I send uh, in the positive inspirational things, little notes to your inner child, things that um, we may not remember. And then uh, eventually there's going to be links to the Hay House book on there. You can go to my website, isabelsweet.com. Um, following me on social media would be the best way at this time and space um, to stay up to date on what's happening with the book, when it's going to come out, uh, how to get your signed copy, mm-hmm. uh, also notes to your inner child, and other inspirational things that um, that I think are really useful to remember. Kind notes to ourselves, like um, saying kind words and and actually, I have a, a, quite a bit of information as well mm-hmm. on what these childhood trauma things actually do to the mind and to the body. Um, so I think, you know, now's a really great time to start looking at this because we're really realizing what these traumas are, are doing to us. And so, uh, yeah, f- following me on social media would be the best way. Yeah, I've been following you on social media for well since we met uh, about a year ago, and uh, there's been so many there's been so many little gems that I've taken out of your work and and uh, our interactions and and whatnot. You're very very wise, and you have such a beautiful heart. Um, so her teachings are they really are energy. Like when I connect with you and when I read your your messages, it's an energy that I feel. So it's really really cool. You're very connected. You live and practice what you preach, which is so crucial because when we are energy transmitters, we have to be resonating in the energy vibration that we, we teach from. Right. So, uh, and you're the real deal. So definitely, uh, give her a follow on uh, social media. And, um, again, thank you so much for joining today and sharing your story and, uh, being vulnerable and being authentic and, uh, being, uh, being just the light that you are. So I really, really appreciate that. Well, you are a reflection. I am a reflection of you and vice versa. You are such a light. So many people and you're just an amazing human being. I'm grateful and honored to be in your life. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And obviously, uh, I want to share or uh, thank the audience for tuning in. Uh, Episode seven, I'm getting better and better as we go here. It's it's super fun. I'm really happy I'm getting to do this and uh, share these amazing interactions publicly with people. So, um, yeah, please leave your comments, review, subscribe to the podcast and, um, looking forward to the next episode. Have a beautiful day, everybody.